Cougs ass. All right. The Houston Cougars are in the Big 12. We have some fun rivalries, including one with the school in Waco getting stirred up on Twitter a little bit. Hmm. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, today a podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston Born teacher and coach Parker Aintrith, here to talk about the Houston Cougars entering the Big 12. Now, uh, as <laughs> we've been doing, and I'm sure you picked up on the summer, uh, there's some pre-recorded stuff going on with all these Big 12 programs, kind of talking about one another, getting to know one another. Drake Toll of the Locked On Baylor podcast, and I talked for a while about Houston and Baylor and that potential relationship a while back. That is this episode, if you've been following along on Twitter since, Drake has had some interesting things to say about Houston. So we're kind of making it a two-parter. Today is part one. We'll talk with Drake some about all the things before that. And then tomorrow we'll do part two. We'll catch him back up with Drake. So hey, talking to some about what all has happened since, because he's had some interesting things to say since, to say the least. Uh, that will bump this week's recruiting episode because of the holiday earlier this week. That'll bump that to next Monday. I'm talking to Brian Smith about recruiting. Good episode there too. But when I give you Baylor in two parts, let's do part one. It's a little bit friendlier. Let's jump on it. Welcome to a crossover edition of Locked On Cougs and Locked On Baylor today. I'm one of your hosts, Parker Ainsley. I'm joined by Drake Toll. Drake, how you doing? Oh, dude, <laughs> I am. I am sports. That's that's all I can say. <laughs> it is the most sportsingest sports time of the year. It feels like uh, finals going on in multiple sports. The College World Series is happening as well. Um, Houston's obviously not lucky enough to be in that. Um, I actually don't know. Is Baylor right now? I don't, I'm... No, no. Uh, Baylor and Houston both. Baseball and softball <laughs> uh, could have had. Uh, Baylor had a good year in softball, but baseball we don't have to talk about today. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. We are here to talk about uh, as an expansion team, Houston's mm. first season in the Big 12. We're looking to make a round across the uh, conference and talk to folks that will be seeing more of this fall. But first thoughts first, uh, Drake, when you heard the Big 12 expanding and adding the city of Houston, were you just shaking your boots or what were you thinking? Well, Parker, what's interesting about the Houston move is it's the one that brought on maybe the most controversy amongst the Texas schools that are still here. Nobody was upset that BYU was coming to this conference. Nobody batted an eye at Cincinnati and the basketball football powerhouse they've had in the last decade. UCF brings in one of the biggest alumni bases in the entire country. Again, as does BYU. So those three teams are all right, sweet. There, you know, it's not really a rub with any of those. And then there's Houston, which is for the last couple of decades, at least has been so good at so pesky, I'll say, in sports to the bigger Texas institutions. And, and when I say bigger, Parker, they, they've only been bigger because of their conference affiliation. And now UT, A&M, Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech cannot hold that over Houston. Houston is one of us, one of us. They have made their ranks up into the power five. And with that, they have gained a ton of respect from schools that for a long time didn't really want to give it to the Cougars. But now Houston's shown, hey, we belong. And whether these institutions like it or not, Houston's in this conference. And now it's a matter of how quickly can the Cougs adjust to life in the power five? Obviously we're expanding in and we think we'll do it relatively quickly, but realistically um, 
uh, Baylor has had a lot of success in the last decade in this conference. I guess yeah. you're going to go a little bit farther in the RG3 time before that. Um, how, you know, they didn't, they were in the conference the whole time, so it wasn't quite out of nothing. But as, as an expansion team looking to have the same kind of meteoric rise, um, what was a key to Baylor doing that in the 15 year window? Well, uh, it's Houston's in a much better spot here than than Baylor was in 10 years ago or, or pre RG3. I guess I could say it's not necessarily in the last decade now. Oh, we're getting we are getting uh, we are I, the, time I, marches forward. I would say I feel really old talking about RG3 being more than a decade ago. Like, geez, yeah, yeah, now that we can't <laughs> say in the last decade and it encompasses RG3, it's that's going to take some getting used to. Um, but before that, Baylor was terrible. I mean, Parker, we, we Baylor was Kansas. Um, except Kansas was a lot better than Baylor. This team year in and year out just was was terrible. And that's why some of our marquee wins, um, the majority of the marquee wins for this university come in the last decade or so, because prior to that, you look at the gap between what Grant Taft was able to do in his 20 years, winning his, winning his head coach all time, won the Southwest Conference Championship in 1974. And there's there's that 20 years in the 70s, 80s, up to the early 90s where Baylor was, was decent, too good. And then mid-90s to really RG3, it was so bad. So the philosophy for Baylor to get good again was do everything completely different. And that's what bringing on Art Bryles did. He was, hey, let's just not play defense and we'll throw the ball as much as we can. And it won a lot of football games. And obviously the Houston folks are familiar with what Bryles brought to Baylor. Um, and then you you take into 2016, you get into the Bryles scandal where you know he knew a lot of stuff. His staff knew a lot of stuff that was abhorrent. It, it was appalling. And him being fired along with a majority of with almost all of his staff and the people who were associated with him was the right step that Baylor had to make. So to me, it's almost more impressive that Baylor was able to come out of 2016 winning football games within five years of a complete cleaning of the house. Uh, it's more impressive that Baylor was able to come back from that than it was to come back from their Kansas years, as I'll call it. So for Houston, you've got a, a coach who knows what it's like to be in the power five has seen big 12 football. I think that gives you a leg up as an expansion team trying to fit in day one. I, I'm hoping for it too. Admittedly, I'm looking forward to this Baylor matchup and maybe we'll disagree by the end of this episode, but I feel like that's one of those ones that kind of comes down to feeling like more of a toss up as far as like, um, it doesn't have quite the same cachet as like, you know, TCU was just in the college football playoff or Oklahoma right. had been it several years before that under link or whatever. Right. Um, talk to me about looking at Baylor for the fall of 2023. Who are the names and the key guys that like a Cougar like myself might not know, but needs to know going into that week. Well, first there's a quarterback battle that has, been ruled over, but isn't really over. Blake Shapin was the starter last season and didn't impress. He had a, a serviceable sophomore year. It's just, it's, it's, he was his first year as a full time starter. And Baylor fans, most popular guy in town is always the backup quarterback. And <laughs> Baylor fans were rallying around everybody not named Blake Shapin to be the quarterback last season. So going into this next year, it's a matter of how confident is he going to be. And if it doesn't work out, Sawyer Robertson behind him was a transfer from Mississippi State, one of the best quarterback transfers in this class. So you could plug and play with him. Uh, he could be the future. A lot of Baylor fans think that he is the future of being a Mike Leach product and somebody who learned for two years under Leach down in Starkville would have been the next starter if not for 
their starter at Mississippi State hanging around for uh, extra time. Um, and then for the Bears, Richard Reese was really good last year at running back, was the freshman of the year in the Big 12, and it wasn't close. He was the second-best freshman running back in America. He's going to be good again. Dominic Richardson, a transfer from Oklahoma State. Um, and, and transfers are the name of the game. we got two Barrington brothers out of BYU who will man the offensive line. And the offense, to me, has very few questions. You kind of know what you're going to get. You've seen a lot of these guys before. The line looked really good in the spring game. It's the defensive side. Gabe Hall is going to anchor the defensive line, but past Gabe Hall, it is kind of one big question mark of who's going to play where and how good are they going to be. There are a lot of big names. The, the TJ Franklin's who he's been good the last couple of seasons, but where does he fit in as a leader of this team? There's so many questions defensively, and that could be Baylor's kryptonite. They might put up you know, 35 points per game because the offense is going to be solid and under Jeff Grimes, but the defense might give up 38. <laughs> 38. That feels a lot like a lot of games Houston was involved in last season where like, I guess the most notable was SMU finished at 77 to 63. That was a football yes. score, actually. Um, I When you talk about the defense, is it new names? Is it just not names you're very confident in? Or what is the hole there? And then I'll go tell Dana we need to look there. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of new names this year. Baylor fans are going to get. I, I was at the spring game, and as the PA guys reading out who made the tackle, like oh, who? <laughs> I never heard that name before. There were a lot of new ones for me. Um, and as somebody who has been so, uh, I guess, entranced with Dave Aranda defense, what he's done, he, Phil Snow was up for the Broyles Award. He was the defensive coordinator under Matt Rule here. So defense has not been the issue in the last five seasons for Baylor. But this year, for the first time that I can think of since I've started covering the team, it's, oh, that's the side of the ball where you're, you're really not sure what you're going to get next year. So somebody's got to step up. A couple of guys got to step up and be what Terrell Bernard was for Baylor. You know, he was relatively unheard of, and then an injury midseason was what brought him up into stardom at Baylor, and he became kind of the face. Jalen Petrie, Terrell Bernard, the face of what Baylor was, and Jalen Petrie, a popular name around Houston. And, and yeah, yeah. now you're missing that on the defensive side. You're missing a big-name guy. We're excited to watch X next season. Well, there really isn't an X right now. Gotcha. Well, I'd like to, you know, answer some of y'all's questions about Houston as well, because as the expansion, the new team, the new kid on the block, I'm sure there are, you know, a handful of those for sure. But first, Drake, we got to talk about our buddies at FanDuel. Cook's house. All right, so it is the summertime. It is baseball season, and it's time to take your first swing at betting on MLB at FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just 20 bucks, and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend on betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think hits the first home run and more all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, they have the Houston Astros tied with the Texas Rangers to win the AL West. Now, as you look at that, we both saw that th that four-game series where Houston pulled off three in Arlington, beat the Arlington Rangers at their place in their first ever four-game sellout, uh, series sellout, I should say. Big-time win there. They further have the Houston Astros at plus 1,000 to win the World Series. Look, we know that odds are in the last six years that they're going to at least get close. If not, that feels like pretty good money, even with all the injuries that they got going on. I'm saying to go to FanDuel. I'm saying to take the Astros when in doubt. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get a $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel. An official partner of Major League 
baseball. All right. So, Drake, I, I don't want to make this all about you know beating you down, but what questions does a Baylor person have about Houston outside of like the humidity and mugginess that is huh. the city? Dude, it's so miserably hot there. Um, you could just take a swallow in December and it's like drinking a glass of water. The Parker, what I find interesting here, Houston has probably been the program, the football program that's gotten the most flack that the most people outside of the big 12, you're talking heads have thought here's the school. that's going to struggle the most going into the league. Why do you think that is? And what are they getting wrong? Well, I think there's a couple things there. One, uh, this is Dana. I guess Dana's just been there four years now. And so you're looking at, in terms of the football program, what had previously been kind of a revolving door. You had Herman. You mentioned Bryles. Um, you also, um, the names escape me at the moment, but uh, Sumlin, right? You had like Sumlin, guys yeah. coming through that just didn't stick around. They kind of use it as a stepping stone. And so it's like, well, what's going to change and join the Big 12? It's still a stepping stone kind of program um, to a lot of people. I I get upset about that because I kind of think for all of his faults, like Dana's Dana, first of all, can call an offense. And second, he kind of seems here to stay. He's not the kind of guy that's like a career, like mountain climber. He just get to the top and get to a blue blood or something like that. He came through Houston once before and he he came back very intentionally um, after he'd been in the Big 12 for a hot second at West Virginia. Um, I, I've been on, on our shows talking about some about Houston being a potential sleeping giant in this whole thing. If, if they can keep Houston kids in Houston, that's a really talented recruiting base very, very quickly. Uh, Baylor knows as well as anyone y'all have taken, taken some of those kids to the big 12 before Houston was in the big 12. Right. Um, Kyron drones. <laughs> there you go. I, yeah. There, there's a handful of products that you could sprinkle across any of these big 12 programs. I, it's not lost. I mean, that Houston's moving in the big 12 as Texas and Oklahoma moving the sec. Um, so there's still kind of that, you know, they can still kind of reach their hands in the cookie pot a little bit. Um, and I guess that's kind of the thinking is like if AM and LSU and Texas can kind of steal kids from Houston, what's the difference? But I think with Moon Big 12 that we're kind of moving past that. You know, Parker, I um there there's the Texas just collection of football teams that all have the chip on their shoulder because they're from the state that owns recruiting and the state that has the mighty longhorns who are football history if you ask them and now you're going to get <laughs> yes, matchups like texas tech and tcu and baylor that play houston what does it say you've already mentioned recruiting a little bit how excited is this fan base to have these texas matchups now built in year in and year out well being the biggest metropolitan area in um in all of the conference now it, Houston is obviously a school that is hashtag. The hashtag is for the city, right? That is very much what Houston builds itself on. But as a city, Houston's kind of got this melting pot of like, it's got TCU alums. It's got Baylor alums. It's got tech alums. It's got Oklahoma state. It's got people from all over the conference and somewhat selfishly. I feel like just the bragging right to the water cooler on Monday morning, right? Just like the idea of like, you know, someone in the city of Houston that went to those other schools um, and having that a bit like, that to hang over them when you haven't had that for 30 years, right? Ever since the Southwest Conference broke up, that's kind of been lost. And Houston's kind of been the little brother because they were in the smaller conference for so so much of that. So the little brother moniker, I, I'm sure you've heard that a couple of times, right? The Texas schools love to push that around for teams like SMU and Houston. Now it feels like SMU gets that. Now that the UTSAs of the world, they get to be the true little brothers. Is there a chip on the shoulder for Houston, who's been really good at, at basketball, at least in the last 10 years or so, uh, big enough to make cases as a favorite to win the national championship last year? 
if you're Houston, do you feel like you belong in the power five already? Like the, the little brother thing can be thrown on schools like SMU and no longer be Houston's to bear. I, I think there's absolutely been years, especially if we're talking specifically about the football program. There's been years where it's felt like Houston is at least a mid-level power five school. I mean, yeah. the Case Keenum offenses, right? The Greg Ward offenses. Um, when you pull in someone like Ed Oliver, right? Like, like there's been moments where you've had these guys like this feels like a power five program, at least maybe not like a national championship contender yet, but it, it just doesn't get to play the same level of competition had competitive games with Oklahoma and Tech and other schools in the Big 12 in the last decade. Um, and so I do think that Houston is hoping as a program to shed that fairly quickly. Um, we're picking an interesting year to go in the conference and do it, right? Houston was 12 and 2 in 2021 yeah. and 8 and 5 in 2022, uh, right? So like <laughs> the, that's a big, big gap and what what the trend looks like going to 23 could be very different. But like that 2021 team at 12 and 2 and play Cincinnati in the American Athletic Conference Championship game, like that team would have been above 500 in the Big 12. Like, like there's no question in my mind about it, right? And so how that team would, or how a program that has that capability will be starting at a baseline in the Big 12 is certainly something that, like, we're hoping to make SMU little bro very, very quickly. I love it. Uh, uh, Parker, here's one thing I don't love about Houston being in the Big 12. <laughs> LJ Cryer being <laughs> a Cougar. So the last question that I'll give you, um, how is there is there a... a the excitement of having a really good prospect, yes, you get that because LJ Cryer is really good, one of the best in the transfer portal. But also that prospect having a national championship ring and coming from Baylor, what's the aura around Cryer being in uh, being in Houston? Well, at a national championship ring that they they beat Houston in the Final Four that year to get there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That was yeah. that was painful. Um, I will say that. In losing Marcus Sasser, both the graduation and the NBA draft, I guess technically yeah. he had a COVID year if he'd wanted it, but right, NBA guy. Um, losing Marcus Sasser in the NBA draft, you think of tremendous score, shooter, et cetera. Being able to replace that with a kid like Cryer that is more or less the exact same kind of offensive prospect, uh, different moves, but same kind of production is, yeah. is really, really strong. Um, what I'm hoping is that, and you can probably talk to this more on your own show, it, LJ Cryer defensively is not quite probably where Sasser was. And um, now he was a third team all big 12 caliber player. So I don't mean to say he was, you know, awful or anything like that. But I'm hoping that there's some buy in after having done this NBA draft, testing the waters thing, like, hey, go back and work on that. And then Samson's like, I, I, I can do that. I can help you yeah. work on that, right? Like Houston's got a system where they develop really good defensive guards. I mean, Quentin Grimes, the NBA playoff, right, is a Houston product. Um, and so I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that there's some buy-in there and that he can kind of become that same kind of two-way guy because offensively, and you all saw it in Baylor, he can flat score. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Parker, I'll tell you what. I was I was shocked when you told me this, by the way. I'm not even going to play the game. We just play by <laughs> I was shocked when you told me that Houston's at four and a half, over under four and a half wins in football next season. Um, diving into this, man, the disrespect. Did you expect this number? I feel like it's a very uneducated number. And I, and I know that I'm going to be a little bit of a homer on that, but Houston's got three non-conference games. Those are UTSA, and that's not someone to sneeze at, but oh, yeah. Bryce and Sam Houston. I would assume that they win those three games. And so then four and a half is like, do you think they win two conference games or not? And I think they got a fairly favorable conference schedule for the first year in the Big 12. They're playing both Cincinnati and Central Florida. We're kind of moving up at the same time. Yeah. I, 
that just felt somewhat disrespectful. And, and, and I, I don't know how else to go about it, but that, that really did not rub me the right way. Yeah. Um, not Baylor could be an interesting game. It is a November game. Um, so we'll know a lot more about the teams as we get to early November. Um, it's in Baylor. So, you know, McLean stadium on the water, there's really nice place to be in November. I'm sure. Um, but I, I think they're winning like I, I would have thought it'd be more like six ish, you know, a five and a half or six and a half kind of window. Um, you say you were shocked too, though. So I'm not alone here. No, yeah, I was. I four and a half seems low. Um, I thought six would be a more reasonable number, and that could apply to most of these. You know, for a UCF, Cincinnati, BYU, and, and Houston could all be put around the six range. How well do they adjust to the Power Five? But this is a this is a slap in the face. This is saying this is. The books, Vegas, saying, oh, we don't think Houston belongs in this conference yet. We don't think they can be competitive in college football in a Power 5 conference, which I think is just not where uh, where the Houston program is under Dana Holgerson and not what they've shown in the last couple of seasons under his leadership. You already mentioned 12-win year. I mean, bringing that, when's the last time that UT won 12 games in a season, you know? And, and that's a team that comes to Houston. I think it's so beautiful that the first, the last year of Texas, the first year of Houston, Texas has to go to Houston. That's the best. That's my favorite game <laughs> on the entire schedule this year. Um, and I just, I, I think the Cougars have a fighter's chance to win more than four games this year. They, they should. Um, of the four teams that are coming in, they've got the Texas recruiting base. They've got a lot of Texas kids. I, I believe Houston's ready to compete at this level. Yeah, I feel like. You know, again, they played Tech competitively last season, uh, so they have to go to Lubbock. But that—that's a conference game, right? This oh, year, trust us, going to Lubbock's easy. We won by like forty <laughs> there last year. Um, but they get Cincinnati and UCF, and Cincinnati's at home. So those are you know like-sized teams, like developed teams. Cincinnati obviously was pretty good a couple years ago, um, and then like they get Oklahoma State at home, and I'm just not that impressed yet. Mm-hmm. But like you know, like like those kinds of things. Um, now we're heading to Baylor, November fourth. Um, the lines on that obviously will be much more updated as we get closer to November 4th. But what do you think about what they've got Baylor slotted at these days? I mean, Baylor's a team that had Waco's been disrespected some in the past, too. Um, what, so what do you think about what, where FanDuel has Baylor at these days? Seven and a half is interesting. A lot of fans consider eight wins this next season to be a, a big loss for Baylor. And the reason why is eight home games. You got eight home games. Um, and there's a lot of old school Baylor fans that think there's no reason you should ever lose at home. Uh, defend your turf. And I, I do believe the Bears should get out with a seven and one record at home, six and two record at home. They also got a pretty favorable Big 12 schedule in my mind. Um, so I, I think seven and a half is fair based on what they did last year with six wins. That's that's Vegas saying, look, we think you're going to be a better football team next year than you were last year. So I like that. I like where the schedule has us. And I, I think seven and a half is fair. I do. Uh, but I know a lot of Baylor fans that think if David Aranda finishes seven and five this season, that seat's getting warm. He has the best year in program history, but last year was not very good. It was really disappointing to come off of a Big 12 victory, Sugar Bowl victory, and just lay an egg at TCU Stadium against Air Force in your bowl game. So moving on into next season, I I'm I think seven and a half is fair, and I'm vaguely confident the Bears can get past that hump in the new Big 12 based on how easy this schedule comparatively is. Well, Drake, uh, obviously you'll be following it 
the summer and into next fall and all the way up to, we will probably talk again before that November 4th matchup. Um, but where you're doing a lot of other cool stuff too, on top of talking about Baylor <laughs> each and every day. So where can people find you, the work you're doing, et cetera. Yeah. My Twitter handle Drake C toll right there. Um, I post, uh, I live on Twitter. That is my personality is it exists solely on Twitter. I'll be in Alaska this summer. I'm actually in layover as we, as we record, I'll be in Alaska doing uh, summer league baseball play by play and running the media for the Anchorage bucks baseball team. So you follow along with that stuff there. It's all really cool just to keep up with there is sports in Alaska and it's awesome. Um, and I'll keep up with the Baylor coverage. I'll be talking a lot about the new expansion teams. We talk a lot about expansion on our show as well because it's so prevalent in the Big 12. I would not be shocked if Houston gets some new brothers uh, named Colorado <laughs> and NC State. Or There's all kinds of teams that are in this mix, and so always fun to have those conversations. And Parker, for our fans that are wanting to, wanting to know more about Houston and expansion of the Big 12 through the eyes of teams like the Cougars, where can they find you? Oh, and we love talking about uh, expanding in and beating Colorado. They just stole our running back a couple weeks yep, ago. <laughs> yep. You can find me also on Twitter all the time, frankly, probably too often at Painsworth 512 It's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on every social media handle, actually. That's, that's my handle across all of them. Um, again, Locked on Cougs. We do also talk other expansion teams in the Big 12. Um Coming in, you know, does that mean that these Colorados and Arizonas of the world are going to be stealing more Houston area kids? How many hands get in that cookie jar and those kinds of things? So make sure you check out the show Locked on Cougs as well. Um, Drake, until November, I guess. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what to say. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully sometime more casually before that, but certainly competitively in November. Oh, we are in the off season here, Parker. So I'm sure I'll be calling you at least twice to do a crossover <laughs> episode about something. Um, but of course, like you said, there's especially with the transfer portal now, always stuff to talk about on the show. So pleasure, my friend. For sure, man. Take care. And we say go kook. Do you all say sickum? Is that the thing? I always say that I we do say sickum, but then I end the show with this has been, and it always will be locked on. Baylor and some people are going to have a headache if I didn't say that so I had to get it in there <laughs> Parker now you can do your clothes <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you Locked On Cougs this is the primary Locked On Podcast Network that means your team every day go Cougs second <laughs> <Take them> Bears <laughs>